everyone, welcome to Flywheel Pod, your number one source for everything Frax, DeFi, and everything in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, you've come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave, here with Capital K. We're here to help you harness the power of the flywheel. And this week, the flywheel has gone off its usual path. It has gone to new lands. It has gone to Solana and Aptos land. What? <laughs> we... Uh, it, We've interviewed uh, the head of BD and PR at OtterSec, which is the top auditing firm of the Solana ecosystem. And they do everything. They do yep. a little bit of everything. But they literally have a retainer with the Solana Foundation and, you know, look at all their contracts and everything what's going on there. Um, and honestly, I learned a lot this episode. Like, I wanted to do this episode just to, you know, build, like I say, build bridges with other communities because... Frax doesn't live in a vacuum. Crypto doesn't live in a vacuum. It's very easy to get tribal, but you know it's important to reach out and listen to like how other communities are thinking, and also to you know give them a chance to you know uh, listen to us and hear what we have to say. What do you think, Kit? I think I, I love this expansion. I love learning about new ecosystem and protocols, and also surprising to hear how similar things are over there as well in terms of just yeah. degenerate behavior uh, except obviously much faster and much freer because or much cheaper because of the chain um and yeah I, I felt like we didn't hold back either on some of the you know not so great things you know chain being down yeah. wallet hacks exploits you know we, we, no, we, we definitely we definitely had our our tough questions for him but i think coffee handled them pretty well um and it was just a lot of fun just like chopping it up back and forth with him, you know. And he had like, it was like, you know, he had some good back and forth with us and vice versa. Um, and, you know, I think other ecosystems are here to stay. It's just like a matter of how they evolve and how each one develops and grows into their own niche, whatever that may be. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And on that note, don't forget to hit that bell button and subscribe to us on YouTube. Over 1K subscribers. Let's go. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at FlywheelPod. You can you join our Telegram group at FlywheelPod. Follow me on Twitter at DeFiDave22. Follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And let's get the flywheel spinning. All right, Coffee. So can you give us a little bit of intro about yourself and OtterSec? Because when I went on the OtterSec website, I just saw Solana and Aptos everywhere. So I yeah. just assumed that it was Solana Aptos land. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let's... Let's hear about like what's going on over here in blockchain land. Sure, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess it's kind of just when we started, right? So we're a, a seventh month, seven month old security company at this point, and um, obviously the security landscape on EVM is already very competitive. So we found a lot of opportunity in partnering with people like the Solana Foundation to audit not only their core code but everything that they invest in as a VC. So we have them um, on retainer to basically send us um, smart contracts and audit them as you know they make new investments. And then we started to do the same thing with Aptos as well. Um, and you know the people that they invest in and their core code and the move VM itself. Uh, and, and not to mention like we do EVM stuff as well, right? It's just um, very competitive. But um, yeah, so I guess where we started was Definitely Solana, and actually the name OtterSec simply comes from the fact that Solana Beach has otters. So, oh, 
Yes. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Was this in Miami or was this somewhere else on? This is in San, this in San Diego. Uh, California. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so like there's literally otters there. So it's like otters. You know, the otters are posting up. You know, securing the compound. Pretty I thought much, that was dude. a yeah. play yeah. on auditor. <laughs> you know, I thought it was a play on. Oh, auditor, but, you know, <laughs> auditor, okay, right. that works. It all kind of works. <laughs> yep, it all works together. So, um, and then I guess a little bit about me. I previously worked. So the, how I got into cy- cybersecurity is quite an adventure, I guess. Um, but I started off, I got my BA in law from the University of Arizona. I worked at a law firm for a bit and like was working on just regular contracts and um, found out pretty quickly it's not really what I wanted to do. Even the lawyers there, they were like, dude, you really don't want to be a lawyer. And I was like, maybe you're right. <laughs> and I was, I was working there while I was in college too. And it was peak COVID and like, I was really turned off by the whole operation. So um, made a transition transition into traditional finance, selling REITs for a company called Apollo Global Management. Um, and there's obviously a lot of red tape in traditional finance. So, uh, and meanwhile, this whole time I've been interacting with DeFi and like buying Bitcoin back in 2016, 2017. And, you know, for all the various reasons you can use Bitcoin for, um, and then, you know, kind of staying active on Twitter and doing research on new blockchains. And then, I mean, while I'm participating in DeFi and buying Bitcoin and my traditional finance company saying, Hey, you can't do this. And if you do, you have to tell us about it. I was like, why don't I just go work in web three full time? So, Oh, okay. Yep. Ended up at, were you doing DeFi summer things? Yeah. I was, I was shit coining a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, were you like, like farming no, too? You can't shit like, with us. <laughs> yeah. Were you farming? Like, were you just like buying and selling tokens on Uniswap? Like, what were you doing? Um, a little bit of both. Uh, I wasn't mm-hmm. like too involved or even knew much about what I was doing at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I was kind of just playing around with like money that I had to play around with, which was like around a thousand bucks at the time I was in college and, you know, playing with new technology. But, um, actually one thing I did was run a masternode with uh, one of my friends. Like we set up a masternode for this coin called masternode community coin. And we, <laughs> we had no idea what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I, I love the masternode narratives. It's always like like Dash Network, like yo, like this we right. owned, like worth the island of Manhattan one day. <laughs> but yeah. no, it, that's good experience though. Like setting up a masternode, like getting in the code like that, like like you know, everybody has their own journey into for sure this shit. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, uh, where were we? Um, I guess like how I got into security itself. Um, I met a friend from Twitter, who lived in Arizona, who was working for another security company called uh, Kudelsky Security. They've been around for a long time. And they've been around since like 1951. And uh, I started working from them for them on like a business development basis and traveling a little bit. And my first trip with them was actually to Miami, like for Solana, Miami, the hacker house. And um, I met someone named Robert Chen, who's actually the founder of Ottersec. And actually at the time, they only had like a few hundred followers on Twitter. And uh, I, but I spoke with Robert Chen, our founder. I was like, man, this kid is extremely intelligent and talented and he knows what he's doing. He's learned the language very quickly. And a lot of our tech team thought the exact same. And so what I tried to do is get them to acquire Ottersec at like that young age of like a few hundred followers. 
And, um, you know, they wouldn't do it. There was, a, it was a big company, a corporation. They're not willing to just bet on startups. Right. And, you know, after a few more months with them and, uh, some of the red tape involved in how I had to move, um, I, I figured I'd prefer the startup life more. So I ended up, um, leaving that company and coming to work with Robert at Autosec and come full circle. We actually just passed them in followers last week. So. Oh wow! Nice, nice. Wait, so you, you started stuff? off like uh, it's been like two months now. So I was only working at Kudelski earlier this year. Okay, and, so this is all recent. Yeah. Uh, so the Solana hat that was like at the beginning of this year, right? Not the beginning, but like kind of like Miami Tech Week, Miami Hack Week. I don't. There's always a Miami something week in the winter, right? Yeah. So Solana Miami was like early April. Okay. Oh yeah, it was during BTC Miami then. That's okay. right. Okay, so you basically went from like, you know, you went to college, you did law, and then you were just like, this isn't for me. Um, you went to traditional finance, you're like, this definitely isn't for me. It was kind of like a whole A-B testing you were doing. I'm like, ah, I'm feeling this out, which is actually very healthy because a lot of times people would just be in like one spot and accept their misery. misery and you're like, nah, I'm not accepting that shit. I'm going 100%. on, I know what I want, and like I'm moving on to like the next best the thing that's best for me. And like, I right. think people listening should like realize that like don't settle in the position that they're in because like there's always something better out there. And that's how you ended up at OtterSec. Ultimately, man, yeah. And and not having to choose one chain either, like I mentioned earlier, right? Like kind of getting to work with everybody in the ecosystem and not just pick picking EVM and being a maximalist for that or not just picking Solana and being a maximalist for that, even though, you know, both chains have great value and, you know, can be used for different things. They have different use cases and I'll use both at any point in time, you know, when I need to or want to. So uh, that's what I like most. And getting to work with teams who are building on both chains, uh, you know, allows your network to expand infinitely. Yeah, got it. So what is it, I guess, what are like some of like your main comparisons between EVM chains and Solana chains. I always view Solana as just faster ETH, just like very simply. It's just, you know, very high execution rate, throughput, blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah, I'll let you continue. Um, I mean, a lot of the things being built on them are very similar. And obviously, like the main difference up until the merge was proof of work versus proof of stake. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it's really just... I, I would say the language that it's built on. So Solidity versus Rust. I know mm -hmm. that uh, what really attracted a lot of EVM developers towards Rust and now Move has been like the efficiency and the security of the language. Mm -hmm. And basically just the ability to build um, on these blockchains and, uh, you, you know, save time while doing it and being able to yep. create the same product. Ultimately. What do you mean by like efficiency and security of the language? Like how does like move and rust compare to solidity? In your so own words? I, my understanding, um, so rust for, uh, developers is like it compiles easier and it, it's almost like a library, uh, that compiles other languages into simple functions together. So it, it saves time. If you know what you're doing on Solidity or uh, Node.js, it kind of compiles all of these interactions into one function that will allow you to build something easier than you would on Solidity. And that's not to say that, you know, a, an efficient or proficient 
Solidity developer couldn't do something just as quickly. Um, but that's where I've seen developers move and why they've moved was simply because of the language. Move, like no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended, right? Yeah. <laughs> are, are you seeing a um, lot then, of Solana then, devs? Go ahead. I just wanted to ask, do you see a lot of Solana devs moving to move? Um, I've seen less of that than I have seen solidity to rust or, or move for that matter. Um, you know, they can do both. And I mean, yeah, there, there are some actually okay. big name people that have actually moved to Aptos, right? But it's an entirely new language. And what makes it inherently secure is like the built-in formal verification. Um, and, you know, the, people in general gravitate towards that. It'll make it harder to rug pull your your liquidity from a DeFi protocol or an NFT marketplace, whatever it is. Mm. Got it. Yeah, because yeah. I, I feel like we're, you know, we, everyone talks about like L1 rotations and this is what makes people wary. Um, but like you see the same thing over and over. I remember like last cycle, like you had BTC, all the BTC maxis mad at ETH people coming up. And then you had the other L1s like EOS and like what and whatnot. Um, and I, I'm like a, you know, a veteran of that cycle. So I still remember EOS like very branded in my brain mm -hmm. for life. And so when Solana came along, I was like, oh, this is just another EOS. But I was wrong. <laughs> it was not. Right. There, was, there was a lot more force behind it but the same way you saw btc maxis you know attack eth maxis you had eth maxis attack solana maxis and so right. like what is your like take and now like it's funny i have one friend who's a solana maxi i won't say his name but <laughs> he was upset about uh aptos coming out and he was just saying like all the same words that eth maxis would say about solana and btc vice versa and i'm just like you realize you sound you you sound like a maxi right now <laughs> Right. It's really funny. Uh, so, like, what is your take on this, like, you know, L1 kind of both, like, race for, you know, com competition for mindshare and attention and also just, you know, is there, like, a better one? Do different ones serve different purposes? Like, of course, what are your thoughts yeah. on it? So, what I saw initially in, like, the BTC ETH maxi argument was, like, Bitcoin maxis hating on ETH maxis for the purpose that ETH maxis wanted to be sound money the way Bitcoin has professed to be since the beginning, right? So that's where they argued a lot was like, hey, no, Bitcoin is, there is no second best. You know what I mean? So that, that that's like their argument, there is no second best. But the fact that you could actually build on Ethereum was obviously way better than the fact that, you know, Bitcoin is not scalable. Like ETH is now on proof of stake. But uh, what I actually saw from Bitcoin maxis was them start to gravitate towards people who were building on Solana or Solana maxis in general, because Solana never professed to be um, a store of uh -huh. value, right? It was just a fast layer one that you could build dApps on top of and uh, made it easy to transact seamlessly. Like you see things like Stepin and SolPay where you don't even realize that you're paying or using the blockchain, you're just, you know, on the blockchain using NFTs or paying with Solana seamlessly, like with the tap of a card or a button. Uh, so basically, you know, ETH maxis were stepping on BTC's turf, the sound money turf, especially with the whole meme ultrasound money. Right. Um, that was ETH trying to be like BTC. 
but Solana never advertised like that, never professed that. It was kind of one of those things. The enemy of my enemy is thy friend. I mean, we're all friends here, but precisely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. Friend of me. He's friend but of me. like, it right. makes it makes sense because I, I believe the um, Frank from D Gods was a BTC guy before he went to Solana, right? That. Uh... That makes sense. Yeah, I yeah. know he wears that mask on stage. He too, wears the BTC it. mask. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. So um, I can definitely see that reliance. And um, actually, a while back, I met up with this guy. I don't know if you know who he is. His name's Amir Taki. Do you know who okay. he is? I do not. He, so early BTC dev, early, like he's technically one of the co-founders of Ethereum. This dude is a badass. This dude, he literally quit Ethereum to go like fight in Syria, like with the rebels oh, against wow. the Syrian government. Like this dude is a professed like anarchist, like very true to his values. And I actually was meeting up. I met up with him in Lisbon because I um, he spoke at at Lizcon and I interviewed him for one of the articles I was writing for Defiant. And in one of my conversations with him, he was saying how he was like he was building this new. Um, platform called DarkFi, so it's like a privacy um, chain for DeFi right. and whatnot. And he, one of the things was he really liked Rust and he really liked Solana. Uh, and one of the uh, words that he said to me in my head that still sticks with me is, this, "I love EVM," and I, I'll always be like, "Eat that heart." But like he was like, "Solidity is stringed together like spaghetti." <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not a dev, but like right. I feel like you probably know what. Uh, I like he means more by that, right? Right. Just from being let, an auditor, uh, right? Yeah. Just from hearing it, you know, from other people in the space, and like seeing the migration of people from you know, the only reason they moved, right? It's not like they're chasing market cap. Like, sure, the price pumped 10x over the course of a few months, but um, a lot of that had to do with the fact that developers were moving there, building there, and creating attractive products on a you know blockchain with high throughput and uh, ultimately a good team, right? Like. Mm -hmm. um anatoly and raj they're they're both great dudes and you know you go to any of these hacker houses and they're front and center like you can go ask them any mm -hmm. questions as a developer um you know about their core code you know they're very, very easy to approach and um obviously active on twitter so mm -hmm. i think that's another thing that really opened people up to that and then solana miami itself was just like an awesome production right so you have a free event that you all you have to do is sign up for digitally and I mean, you're getting lunch and dinner every day and free coffee and you, know, you get to go sit on panels and you get to see like different art galleries for NFTs. And it just became like an extremely attractive uh, thing altogether. And it turned into yeah. a cult from there, like everything, right? Yeah, like, like everything. All the best chains are cults at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. Um, but back to the language thing, like, you know, you have like, at first I was like, oh, like, EVMs the JavaScript. You're only gonna live in like an EVM world, but like Rust, like the fact that Solana exists and devs are going to Solana, like proves against that assumption. And also, even with ETH L2s, with Starknet, um, with Cairo, you know, you have devs going there, wanting to experiment there. So, and it's still very early. That I think it's early enough that like yeah, EVM is dominant now, but you know, it's gonna be a long bear market. Like, what if like more devs like learn Rust? What if more devs learn move i mean i think eth has definitely you know kind of has reached escape velocity to a certain extent um but like we'll see i i don't think it's like a like completely dominant just yet i think like you know as i say like solana has legs but it they just need to go through i call it their like dark period first yeah um oh 100 and then like as i mentioned so you mentioned lisbon earlier are you do mm -hmm. you're planning to go to lisbon this year 
I do. I will. I will be in Lisbon. I haven't signed up for any slot. I I just happen to be there at the same time as Breakpoint. Um, okay. But right. my yeah. But I haven't signed up for anything. I'm curious. You know, especially now since it's not at like two hundred fifty dollars. Like it's at twenty or thirty dollars. So I'm curious who's sticking around in the bear. And like I call it the dark time. Like every project, every chain needs to go through a dark period to shake out all the the short term grifters and scammers 100%. and whatnot. And the people that stay are the people that are like develop kind of this um, this loyalty and kind of like religious ferocity around yeah. the chain. Yeah. So right. No. So we're we're gonna be there actually for like two weeks. Ottersec will be, uh, and we're we're throwing are, are several events. There? Yeah. Are you so be... yeah, we'll, we're throwing several events. Um, we'd love to have you there. Oh, and, I'm down. Uh, I'll be yeah. there. So we'll send you, I'll send you all the passwords and the links and whatnot, and, but they're going to be big events. So we're co-sponsoring with like four or five other, uh, pretty solid companies. So like dialect, you have on-chain messaging, um, that's chain agnostic as well. And then Jito labs, they specialize in MEV on Solana. It's another one. Cool. Uh, there's a few others. MEV on Solana. MEV on Solana. Yeah. It sounds competitive <laughs> as well. Yeah. But, um, sounds fast. Right. Yeah. So, it, well, that's, yeah, that's ultimately the idea. Um, yeah. So the event's called Base Layer and we're, um, we're co-sponsoring with squads, which is like a multi-sig platform, margin fi, they do like yield mm -hmm. and lending and then, uh, clockwork. They're basically like AI generated, uh, data price feeds. And so it's going to be a rather big event. We're expecting like three, AI generated people. data price feeds. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not even entirely sure. <laughs> buzzword, yeah. buzzword, they buzzword. do a lot of automation type stuff, but yeah. Uh, yeah shout out to our friends okay. at clockwork. Clockwork.xyz yeah. if you're interested. I'll ask, but... I'll, I'll ask what they're up to when they're there. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. Uh, well, Christian, I actually wanted to, you know, we've been talking about all this flowery stuff and not all things are rainbows and unicorns right on the solana land just like on ETH land, right and so i, I wanted to yep. double click into all of the downtime that we've seen in the past i, I know lately it's, it's kind of been better and such but what was that like you know on on your end when your community kind of experienced this downtime and people getting liquidated and such right yeah i mean it was mayhem uh, you look around, you see, you see a lot of these Twitter spaces, you see, I mean, like from a community perspective, people just, you know, when Solana's down and when price is a new king and you start to see it in the, in the timeline where people, you know, are losing their minds. And then a lot of our clients they're they don't, they're like looking for guidance on it. And like, we're, we're just helping push through, like we're in all the discord channels and telegram, just saying, Hey, if you're even running a validator right now, just get ready to restart it. So we can start it back up. Um, uh, but I guess like technically Solana is still in open beta, right? And, um, what's cool about Solana, I guess at this point is so jump crypto, are you guys familiar with them? Yeah. So we, we just spent a month at X hack in, in uh, Chicago. Mm -hmm. That's why I was there getting a great American bagel, as we talked about earlier, uh, <laughs> uh they, <laughs> They, uh, they threw this event called X hack and at this venue called the pit, which is where their trading office is. So jump crypto, they've been around for like, they've been around for 30 years or so as a, just trading equities. And then now have spun off and trade crypto and, uh, have a venture capitalist branch that they're investing in projects with. 
And so on the third floor of their building, they have the pit where they have a bunch of beanbags set up and uh, standing desks and monitors, and they give you lunch and dinner every day. And um, they basically are just encouraging people to come and build and like looking for new projects to invest in. And it's all just by application. If you're if you're anybody who wants to build in the space, they're willing to sponsor all that, cover 50% of your hotel room and keep you there just to build and, and network and meet new people. Um, so I guess where I'm going with the story is Jump Crypto has like spun off and built their whole own um, what's called Fire Dancer, the Solana Fire Dancer. And, and what it is, is basically, um, so I guess they partnered with the Solana Foundation to basically boost throughput and reliability um, to make Solana more high performance. Basically what they want to do with it is partake in um, like high frequency trading and market making and MEV for that matter. So they've deployed resources to like add this extra layer of validators that will help improve the stability of Solana over time. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, there's one thing a blockchain needs to do, stay up. <laughs> That's the most important thing is to stay alive. And like, I'd like, I mean, we all, you know, we have trade-offs with everything like throughput, like uptime decentralization. Um, but yeah, that's like one thing a blockchain needs to do. And every time it goes down, it hurts Solana that much more. And you can say like, yeah, it's an open beta. Um, I think I heard that before, but like, it's still like, there's still like hundreds of millions of dollars like at stake yeah. in this, right. in this beta. Um, it's like, you know, I mean, like, will it like get there where like, it will never go down again. Like, it's just like a matter of like the longer it's like, it's the Lindy effect. The longer it doesn't go down the better it is, the more credibility it gains. But like every time it goes down, boom, like all that progress made, it's just, you know, just becomes like the butt of all jokes. And that's just right. like such an easy thing that ETH people can just like yeah. pick at. And so like, well, is there a plan to like, it's not going to be an open beta forever. Like, will there be like an alpha? Will there be like an, uh, um, I don't know, Omega? Like, will there be like a, <laughs> a release, <laughs> like, like, like a public beta? release? Like a, like a main Mainnet, yeah, like a real mainnet. The real mainnet. Who knows, man? Yeah, this it's the same type of speculation where it was where I mean, like when it comes to ETH, we're like, will ETH ever be proof of stake type thing? Like it kept getting delayed. You know, like we're in the same space with uh I'd say Solana. It's only been around since like twenty nineteen, right? Or twenty twenty when it's first started getting traction. Um so yeah, I guess it's only a matter of time and but in that early stage of Solana 2, what impressed me the most, um, like turned me kind of into a user of it in the first place was how much was built on it already and how quickly people were will willing to build. And I think like what really was attractive was the, the liquidity on NFTs, right? And the cost mm. to transact being so low, like that made it really attractive for, uh, you know, people who wanted to flip and trade this new hot technology called NFT, right? So I think that's what really took it off, like made it take off. And a lot of it actually, a lot of the downtime on Solana has been spent because of like botting for NFT mints and for NFT uh, flippers, basically using machines to buy and sell NFTs and like mm -hmm. market make them in a sense. Mm, got it. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you, what, when you first got to Solana, like what was there already and what has been built since then? So yeah, you can go ahead. Sure. Yeah, I remember. Uh, what was there? 
So FTX was like the worst website ever at the time. I remember it was, <laughs> it was like bare bones. Um, obviously, was this like 2020? Yeah, it's, it was like, and it was hard to like get to onboard new people. Like if I ever sent them a ref link to like my mom or dad, they would be like, I can't even log in for my phone. It would just give them a tough time. So that's like, so, and obviously, you know, FTX, they're a big supporter of Solana and like Solana transactions are free from their website. Um, but that like FTX was terrible, bad UI, bad UX. And um, so that's where I bought my first Solana was FTX and then sent it to a phantom wallet. No, you know what it was? Uh, it was actually a solid. It was is what it was called, like a soul oh, wallet solid. I remember. And uh, it was this trash. Like even if you go to their website now, solid.io, they're like there are literally better wallets out there. You have Phantom, you have Soulflare. They'll like tell you go use other wallets. This one sucks. Um, and then there were dashboards, things like Zapper on ETH or something called Step Finance, which is still around, and then Sonar is another one um but then from there you had uh lending protocols like tulip where you could just deposit usdc and at the time earn up to like i think i've seen as high as 40 percent apy but it was only dependent on how much was being borrowed at the time so obviously that fluctuates it wasn't anything being promised right like the it wasn't like terra type like 19 percent apy is guaranteed it was uh you know, if somebody's borrowing this much, you deposit some USDC, you'll get paid for it. And then a lot of yield farming opportunities as well. I was yield farming on uh, on Tulip. Uh, well, so at the time, actually, what was it called? It's now called Tulip Protocol, but it was called... Soulflare or something? Um, yeah, Radium? Something like, no, so Radium, Radium was around too, though. And it was called like Soul... It's just soul something, right? Soul, whatever. I'll, Very creative with the me. names of all these right. projects. Yeah, whether solid, it's like soul, soul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or RB, Nyan, or uh, whatever. Like, what else is out there? No, I feel you. Um, and then, like, Orca is a pretty OG name. Bonfita. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did, a, like, the naming service for all the dot .soul domains. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, I've seen a lot of, obviously, Magic Eden wasn't really around. The first... Um, NFT marketplace was Solanart or Solanart. And that's where like the majority, like everybody, nobody could wait. It was like there was there was volume out the wazoo on this website. Anytime an NFT would drop, everything would 30x like right off the drop. And there was just mad liquidity there at high speeds. And like the pages itself, like the actual website couldn't interact fast enough with how fast people were transacting and trying to buy NFTs at the time. And it was just the land of Madness. liquidity at the time. Yeah. So that's where it gained a lot of traction, obviously, and things have slowed down since. So that's where you start to see the FUD. And like, obviously, everything's like, when it's hot off the presses, everybody wants it. But then when the liquidity dies down, it's like, now what? Hey, are you a DAO or large holder on chain looking to trade in size? Do you have a token and are lacking liquidity? Well, do we have a solution for you? FraxSwap is the first TWAM time-weighted automated market maker which allows you to basically dca at will want to make a trade over one hour one day one week even a month or longer FraxSwap is here for you if you're a DAO with a token looking for liquidity you can even apply for a gauge and incentivize fxs liquidity on your behalf wow isn't that great FraxSwap. 
where your size is size. So Solana really found its footing with NFT and NFT liquidity. Because the thing with NFTs is, I think what I've realized, people don't care what chain it's on. They just like the art. They like the artist. You know, they don't, the artist, vice versa. Like they don't, at the end of the day, they just like want somewhere they, where they can transact. And it seemed like Solana has really, you know, carved their own lane in that regard. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, so there's a lot of like normie friends, we'll call them, that I onboarded to blockchain and NFTs at this point in time um, because of Solana and how easy it made it to do. Whereas like, so I'd, I'd onboard people to Solana. Hey, download a phantom wallet. Hey, throw some Solana in it. Buy the next anything that mints. It costs like one or two Solana. People are like, all right, I trust you. I just saw you 30X on an NFT in eight hours. I will listen to whatever you say. So it got down to that point. And uh, onboarding them was easy because the the price to transact was so low. And then a lot of people would say like, well, why aren't we using ETH? My friend says ETH is the best. I'm like, well, okay, if you go and try and do what I just did on Solana on ETH, it'll cost you like $300. So onboarding people is was harder at that point in time for Ethereum than it was for Solana. So that's yeah. where, you know. That's the crux of ETH. I mean, like, yeah, ETH doesn't go down, but when it's up, like when people are using it, that real estate's expensive. It's right. mighty expensive. Um, but it, it'll still be cheaper now, right? Like with, I mean, like. It is cheaper now. Yeah. Like as the chain gets used more, more of the supply gets burned, ultimately bringing the gas price down. Like, will that, will we ever see people like front running uh, transactions to, to build the price on them like they were before? Like, I'm curious. I think they'll always, that. I think they'll always exist. Like people trying to front run or spoof or this and that. Um, what's I think what we're waiting for is seeing, you know, executions migrate to the rollups. Like right now, like even there's some like rollups, you know, you have some applications on rollups, whether it's like GMX or like maybe a few others where there's like some, where there's like some action going on, but still I would say the majority of action is on the main chain. And right now the main chain is cheap. It's still like way more expensive than Solana, but like a few bucks for a transaction. Um, I wonder what it's going to take for, you know, people to migrate over to rollups. I think ZK rollups can tremendously bring down prices and actually have like the same effect like Solana had on overburning users because it's cheap. But with ZKs, I know it's zigzag. Um, our, my friend actually built that. It was just like a regular order book exchange on ZK Sync 1.0. No applications. All you can do on ZK Sync 1.0 is trade and swap and send. That's it. That's those are the only two, three things you can do. Um, right. and just from making like a simple, like interface and a usable interface, he was able to get 4,000 daily active users from all over the world. And they found him because transactions are that much cheaper yep. on ZK sync. And so there is like something to be said about cheap transactions and, you know, the whole, like when I was at DevCon last week or a few weeks ago, like one of the big narratives was like ZK EVM, ZK EVM, it's coming soon. Let's fucking go. Um, but um, it's like one of those things like, yes, we have the merge. Like the merge was finally done. Like right. the, it shows that the ETH community can do this. So ZK EVM getting figured out. It just takes a lot of work, like lining like the circuits and whatnot. It's like, I don't know, it's kind of like, it reminds me of the human genome. Um, but For sure. Yeah that, yeah, that was a long rant. <laughs> no, no, it's good. Um I actually ahead, wanted Capital. to learn a bit more about the DeFi scene on, on Solana, especially the early days of the DeFi scene on Solana. Because, you know, in, in on ETH, it was pretty much, 
you know, pick your favorite food emoji farm and they're going to token emit to the freaking moon for you and liquidity literally bounced around everywhere and you just LP'd here, wrap this and then leverage LP more. Like, did you see the same kind of degeneracy and debauchery on Solana? Especially since it's like 100%. more cheaper yeah. fees and faster. <laughs> <laughs> Probably oh, yeah. more so. And you, you saw not only the degeneracy and debauchery, but you saw it at light speed and for very little cost, right? So there, it also allowed a lot of developers to put out, um, you know, bad products and projects, then people wouldn't care just because like I mentioned, like they were chasing the liquidity. They're like, oh, this is going to 10x. It's easy. It looks just like their last project. Um, and same with the coins. Obviously you have that incident wait, where- Wait, well, the developer was like, one or two developers were responsible for like eight or nine DeFi protocols on oh, Solana. Yeah, yeah. I saw that article, hey, yep. yeah. <laughs> wait wait what was that article it was honestly like, part of, yeah the, yeah that is correct yeah i will choose uh, choose to unname them i mean if you if you know you know but um yeah, yeah they've been around <laughs> the yeah. ones that shall not yeah. be named i i, I heard they they moved on now to they, they've moved to move. Moved. Moved. i don't know if that <laughs> right right they tried uh my understanding was that or at least last thing I heard was that they were blacklisted from the ecosystem. So mm, at least no. that's good. Um, okay. Yeah, but you never know. Like people can come in all iterations. They they got their money and they're off doing yeah. whatever now. But I, I guess to go back to your point of ZK technology, Dave, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's really important technology, also very complex. So that's something that we have our researchers mm -hmm. working on right now and are very interested in. And there's a lot of people actually, um, like one of my good friends, he's actually doing a workshop on it. Um, he like just blasted out a tweet. Hey, if you want to learn about ZK tech, like hit me up, DM me. And I'm going to set up a weekly class on it basically. Cause he's a, he's oh, a photographer. Yeah. He has his, uh, he has a master's in cryptography and it's his most, the thing he's most interested in. And so ZK technology is based around cryptography and, you know, solving these complex math problems. Um, for transacting privately, but also at a low cost and high speed. So, yes, yeah, so that's something we're, real, we're working to ground. like looking to like partner with people basically on this new technology ultimately. But yeah. So, OtterSec is actively researching and looking into how they can audit ZK, both ZK EVM contracts and also Cairo contracts or all kinds of ZK stuff. Ultimately, yeah. And Solana's even working on their own iteration of, of ZK. Um, to what extent Whoa. I'm unsure. What, what is it? I don't even know, man. I plead the fifth, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, every, you know, everybody's working on something, right. And I'm sure Aptos will have their things. We will have their mm -hmm. thing ZK related. It's all technology. That's kind of just being chipped away at right now. And then when someone really breaks through, it'll be this, you know, giant celebration where it's like, holy shit, this is actually how it works. But, um, yeah. yeah so, I mean, with languages like move, we started learning about them. Um, I guess in like, it was like four or five months ago, Robert Chen, our founder, and started learning about it and really becoming an expert in it. So Sam Blackshear, the guy who actually started the language, him and Robert have been in close contact about actually making the language more inherently secure and building things like the move prover, which, um, is like built in formal verification, which for developers is really important for. Uh, you know, stack overflows and making sure that 
your protocol doesn't blow up and can't be exploited. Um, I have one other thing, but yeah, so move. Yeah. He's Robert Chen at this point is, uh, deemed the guy who learned move overnight, but is also the guy who, <laughs> the guy who learned it overnight, the guy who became yeah. an ex who truly became an expert. Um, yeah. what I find interesting about move and all, all the, the reason why Aptos and Sui exist is because the government went hard on Facebook saying, no, you can't yeah. have your own chain. No, you can't have your own stablecoin. Libra, DM, put a sock in it, literally. Like, we won't allow you to do this. And so then they invested billions of dollars creating this technology, building this new language, and they, had, they trained all these people. And now it was like, well, we have this new language. Maybe we can raise money for it. <laughs> and then they <laughs> quite literally. Uh, one, yeah. well, well, hey, how about another L one, guys? Let's bring it around. Maybe two. <laughs> Let's run, run it back. back. Yeah, exactly. Run it, run it back. Run it back. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, I mean, you know, it's pretty uh, apparent if you've been on CT, like the reaction that Aptos has gotten with their launch, with both like the tokenomics not released when Binance and FTX listed it, and then it having like four TPS like when it launched. So like. Cuffy, what are your thoughts, if you have any, on that? And, like, is the 4TPS thing, like, kind of like a fluke? Like, what's going on there? Yeah, so uh, I've seen it raise. I've seen them try and fix it. I know they've been promising up to, like, 200,000 TPS, right? Um, <laughs> which we're very, very far off of. Um, I have a wallet, and we're, we're actually part. So I've yet to actually go in and transact. So I know it only went live on mainnet. Uh, what was it, like, the 17th? I was actually at XHack where a lot of these people were building on Aptos and it just, it was like a bomb that got dropped. Like, yo, Aptos mainnet, by the way. And then everyone yeah, was by like, the way, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it just kind of came out of nowhere. And all these people that were building on Aptos, like were kind of in the shadow about it and, um, you know, started pushing products out to try and, you know, compensate for it. So, uh, like we knew it was coming out the 17th being partnered with them um and you know tried to keep that not not that i think it was a secret right but i don't think anyone was like set hard set on when it was supposed to be right mm -hmm. um the tps side of things i've seen them fluctuate i know people are transacting on the blockchain i know there are mints happening um at low costs uh there are some really good wallets i guess like the best one out there that i have is martian wallet um, someone we've actually done an audit for. They're, it's a solid team, good code, uh, beautiful UI as well. Like, not to shill. Like, I, I genuinely like this wallet. Um, and you can go connect it to, uh, <laughs> Topaz Market, which is like an, an NFT marketplace. Um, there's a few other like DeFi protocols. Like, you have Tsunami protocol. It's not launched yet, but they're offering, and I'm not sure how, but we'll see when it launches tsunami finance they're offering zero percent slippage on leveraged perps up to 30x so i'm wondering in, uh, every like, yeah, yeah, listening to this <laughs> go get yeah. a marsh a martian wallet right now <laughs> christian just gives you the step by step yeah. how yeah. how for 30x leverage <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyways well, yeah this is coming out in like a week and a half so like there's time um it's, okay so, okay 
Good to know. Yeah. yeah so the, the guys at Tsunami Finance are solid too. Uh, they were at XHack as well building. Their team is awesome. Uh, you have their like community guy, Bones. He's super cool. And then a uh, community community uh, like manager, Suju, her name is. And then they're, uh, he goes by Mutable Dev. His, their, their lead developer. He's super cool dude. Mutable Dev. I don't know if I yeah. want my devs to be mutable. <laughs> I know. I know, right? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, it's like that's what he goes by on the internet. He doesn't like being doxxed either, but if you meet him in person, he'll yeah. tell you his name too. Yeah. Um, um, I was going to ask, like, I think the thing about Solana and why, like, I I respect it in commendment and I've always been, like, into it a little bit is because Solana has kind of developed this soul, like, this soul of a community that is, like, holding it even through this bear. Um, I don't think I've seen this with Aptos yet. Yet Aptos just launched. And yet, like, people are just, like, wary of, like, really big numbers and big raises, especially this late in the market. From your observations at XHack and other places, have you seen any soul form around Aptos yet? Or is it just people just, like, there for the opportunity and money? Yeah, so maximalism is, is hard to achieve overnight, you know? Like, especially mainnet mm -hmm. went live, what, seven days ago? Yeah. So... I wouldn't call it at maximalism by any means unless we're referring specifically to the people developing in move right so okay. like they like the language and they're developing on it but from that cult perspective we were talking about earlier i haven't seen too much of it in like especially in comparison to solana almost you know none mm -hmm. okay are yeah because it's just too early right now uh, yeah. are you seeing a lot of um like the theme of these hackathons and these projects being built do you see a lot of them using nfts or are they more on the DeFi side or on the on the social side like like what are you seeing i've noticed uh so i guess like the team's building there if you're presenting something at on demo day every friday so it was four uh weeks right and they had a demo day every friday wow. uh, oftentimes the like if you're presenting, you're not going up there to shill your NFT project. So it's something like DeFi based or something that uh, is like a risk engine for a DeFi protocol or even like a search engine that helps verify results for smart contracts connected with different social medias. So you're not interacting with bad contracts um, or, you know, like operating systems. Even there's one that I saw called Dream OS. There's like this Web3 operating system they built. Um, and you have things like backpack with Armani Ferrante, which is NFT related, right? It just helps you interact better with your NFTs. But, um, for NFTs themselves, I wouldn't say there's just like one project or like one, one person there, like grinding an NFT project specifically, but you'd see a lot of them actually though, like having something on the side with an NFT project, like in general, I mean, I think a lot of people aspire to have an NFT project that mints out like that. Um, but also like provide utility to a community. So, you know, a lot of people do it on the side for sure. Good. Is there gaming or, or any other verticals aside from the usual suspect? Cause I, I figured every new L1 kind of runs through that same DeFi, the Holy Trinity, right? Each chain needs their own Holy Trinity of like, you know, lending. Yeah. They need their exchange, the lending coin. market, their stable coin, blah, blah, blah. Same yep. thing over yeah. Over. So they definitely have their stable coin. Yeah. Decentralized stable coin. Argo is someone we've audited. Um, they have a good team as well. Intelligent CTO over there. Um, what else? So stablecoin, DeFi, 30x leverage, of course. You can't not have that. 
You can't not <laughs> have that. Yeah, come on. Like that's table stakes. <laughs> Uh, okay, the like NFT gaming, marketplaces, like of course. And, and anything in yeah, the gaming, gaming not haven't seen as much gaming mm. there as I have like seen the promise for gaming on blockchains like Sui. So I think Sui is supposed to be more gaming focused, and they also, um, you know, have they also got, have their talent from Facebook, right? right. So uh, the way that split up may have been uneven, or you know, they're they're different teams working to achieve the same goal of like a high throughput network. Um, so yeah, Mistin Labs is someone that Sam Blackshear actually works for, the guy who created Move and, uh, you know, we're working with them to implement best security practices as, as well. Uh, but to answer your question, gaming, I think it's going to be more specific to SWE and the Move language than it will be with Aptos and the Move language. Mm. So Until Aptos, like, you know, Aptos is Maybe. more general. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so what I wonder what's going to make Aptos different than Solana. They seem like it's pretty close in uh, similarities, like close promises. It's like, and, you know, you see a lot of, you see a good amount of talent go from Solana to Aptos as well, whether it's like the head of marketing of some place and whatnot. So it's gonna, I, I'm curious to see how Aptos differentiates, the, differentiates itself from Solana. It seems like Sui actually has in this like gaming capacity but um yeah i guess you know we'll wait and see like who knows like i we'll honestly like I'll, I'll, wait, wait and see wait and <laughs> wait see <laughs> nice <laughs> um i want to get into like a few popular i'm not popular but few infamous exploits on solana there's True. two i have in mind um one was that hack which was absolutely terrifying where it was in like the factory code of the wallet. Was it so? Do you know of the wallet? Do you know what oh, I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. 100%. Yeah, so that's the slope wallet hack. The slope wallet hack. Yeah, like can you break down what happened there? Because that is, as someone that's been in crypto for a bit, that's terrifying because there's nothing you can do about it. It's in the yeah. factory settings. Right, right. So um, it was in the factory settings. I say it's funny. We actually ran into one of these slope employees at. Uh, X hack and he was mm -hmm. looking for work. I think like there, there, there's still <laughs> oh, people, <I> wonder... <laughs> right. And, well, there's <laughs> someone else at the company still try, or trying to build another wallet, which I'm unsure of. I, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I, you know, this is all just a guess. I, I made it all up. Um, the, but the up. findings, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, the findings of the slope wallet hack, I actually have them up in front of me. And, and this is not something I was with Autosec for at the time, but it was obviously following. And it was basically, so some of the, the there were like, they were leaking private keys. Um, and there's also, I guess, some pretty thorough speculation that this may have occurred from an internal uh, you know, it's, it's all speculation, of course, right? Many such but, cases. Right, right. Yeah. So we don't actually know, but it wouldn't make sense. It's it's what makes, you know, sense, right? Um, but the infrastructure mm -hmm. changes they so we have actually have like a map here. Um uh, let me see. Basically, yeah, so the the wallet was just leaking public keys. Uh seven hundred and sixty five of them out of seven thousand were leaked address leaked addresses and um it was something that 
you know, someone found an exploit and was able to just start recovering wallets using mnemonic phrases and public and private keys to restore them, withdraw all the assets. And this is only anyone who had ever uh, used Slope Wallet specifically, which, yeah, was, I saw people losing their minds. I woke up, saw a bunch of tweets, was like looking for my assets and they were all there because I've never used Slope, but. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely terrifying. Yeah. And that's not, that has nothing to do with Solana. That has to do with Slope. Right. And even though Sol Solana felt responsible in a sense, right? So, I mean, it was just a PR shit show ultimately. Yeah. You know, cause when they see like, oh, Solana's getting hacked, everybody like. Like terrible um, optics right here. <laughs> yeah. Right. Everyone start unplugging your computers. Who even knows? Like your next type thing. So <laughs> it's like the um, chain goes yeah, down and my wallet is not safe. <laughs> like just perfect fun, right. you know, just the perfect headlines. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we worked with Solana closely and then also stepped into the war room with slope to decide like where this was even coming from. Cause like it was only people who had used slope is ultimately what it came down to. And it was just bad code mm. written there. Um, but yeah, since then, like I said, I don't, I don't think slope does much. There are much more secure wallets out there that we have secured. Uh, I'd say the, the number one on Solana being phantom that we work closely with to ensure security for mm -hmm. days. was the second yeah. one? The second one was mango markets. <laughs> mango, mango, mango. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is your standard lending exploit, but, um, I just find the whole situation just fascinating with like the guys just like out there just like making governance proposals and saying how oh, he yeah. executed a very profitable trading strategy very profitable, and he's in a way not wrong right that's exactly what he did he he didn't find an exploit in a smart contract i'm not i'm not encouraging this type of behavior right i'm not i mean this is pure market manipulation and it's frowned upon i don't like when you do it to me and i don't like when i have money deposited in mango and you extract it, right? Like I have, I had money in Mango, lost a good chunk of change, but it's over now. Um, anyways, I think he's, they, he's wants to return the money to them, but I think end up just pulling from the treasury instead, because ultimately what happened was he bet against the volatility of Mango itself. And basically being able to borrow against an illiquid coin is what the problem was there. So they didn't have any risk factors in place when he decided to fill up a position for 480 million contracts of mango mind you the total circulation of mango is 1 billion so he filled up half the supply in perps right in a in a perp position for i think you they allow up to like 8x leverage on mango what he did from there was so he counter traded himself he sold like 480 contracts to himself and then went to a spot market and started with another like $2 million pumping the price from like a penny up to 90 cents, obviously sending his per position through the roof. And from there, he was able to, on leverage, uh, withdraw liquidity from his unrealized gains that he had made off this wide open per position. And then once the per position was all the way up here, he added collateral to the top of it, shorted it all the way down removed the liquidity from that side and left mango insolvent ultimately but then still oh had my a god that yeah the, it was it was crazy i was actually at the gym when this was happening and our twitter starts blowing up because our robert our, our founder he put out a tweet hey mango mango was just hacked for a hundred million dollars and i'm like oh 
shit. So I'm like, and I had, first I go to check if my money's there. I'm like, wait, there, this is way bigger of a problem. So I actually have my laptop with me at the gym. I put down the weights. I Stop run to the, the workout. Room. <laughs> Stop <laughs> the workout. Like, to the locker room. <laughs> exactly. So, dude, when I'm on call, like, I mean, like, that's another thing about security and like having a global team. Like, if somebody needs, somebody needs help, like, I'm there. We're there, and so we were there for Mango, even though they're not our client. Um, you know, we were the first to market on kind of finding out about the exploit and ultimately solving it with the Mango team and coming to the realization that it wasn't their smart contracts. It was just um, risk management, ultimately. Uh, you explained that very well, I honestly. So nice job Thank there. You. Um, yeah, lending, I mean... We all saw that on ETH, especially with uh, Cream, all the lending exploits that happened. Um, having just pooled lending is just dangerous, honestly. Like, you're susceptible to Oracle attacks like that. You're susceptible to price manipulation. Um, and, you know, sometimes people, like, fuck around and find out. And sometimes people <laughs> fuck around and, you know, make off with $100 million. And they're trying to figure out, like, oh, shit, like, what do I do now? Well, right. And in that same regard, I mean... If you go to use Mango Markets, you can't use it in the U.S. You need to access it from anywhere else. You need a VPN, right? So it's like, who are you going to tell the FBI that it happened? Because yeah. if this this guy goes and does the same thing in the stock market, he's getting put in handcuffs. But you know, you can't use the protocol here anyway. So who are you going to tell? So yeah, it's like, I mean, this has happened a few times before, where it's like that is code. Code is law. It's code law. Like. What about layer zero as in like the people affected by this? Cause you know, you put your money in there, you didn't do anything. Next thing you know, it's insolvent and you can't get your money out. Um, I wonder like what standards, not just for like Solana, but for all of crypto and DeFi will be like put in place as best practices for protocols, whether it's like limits on pools, whether it's just like, you know, people knowing, you know, this, you just don't do stuff. Even though like in the code you could do that, you just don't like extract a hundred million dollars of liquidity from a lending protocol. I don't right. Know. Yeah. So, um, someone actually that we just started working with ratio finance, they basically implemented risk models, um, to prevent things like this. So they've never had a single liquidation on their platform. And, uh, it's actually someone we partnered with to give away, um, $10,000 in professional security consultancy to audit something like this. Cause it was both a novel and complex idea, especially in lieu of what just happened with Mango Markets and, you know, leaving an entire protocol for nine figures insolvent. So um, there are people, I mean, yeah, there's code that can be written and should be written to put in place. Like when a, a liquidity threshold is met or, or a lack thereof, then, you know, either you can't borrow against it anymore or the amount of leverage that you can use goes down or you just can't even trade it on leverage. You can only buy it spot, you know? And so mm -hmm. those are things that have to be actively monitored. So when you say code is law, um, you know, it's hard to say, right? It's obviously you very, you, you can put it in place to like have it think a certain way, but you ultimately need a human at the end of the end of the day to decide. Yeah. Well, it's funny. You say that uh, Solana's in open beta. In my opinion, all of DeFi is in beta and we're all guinea pigs in that. Like every time we interact with a protocol, no matter the chain, you know, you don't know, like if someone put like a DNS bug or, you know, DNS hack, or you don't know that like someone the next day is going to go in and just like rug pull you. Mm -hmm. um, that's why it's not mainstream yet. That's why 
DeFi is down 90%. I don't even know what TVL is now. Like 50, 60 million, billion. Yes. I mean, 60 billion. Like yeah. down like 75% from all time highs. Um, it will get back up. It will go to like hundreds of billions, if not trillions. Mm -hmm. But for it to get there, like every time there's a hack, like it's kind of like every time Solana goes down, it puts Solana back. Every time there's a hack like this, no matter the hack, no matter the details, because at the uh, end of the day, people just hear hack and then they yeah. just think like unsafe and like they run away and institutions just like run away. So it's just like, how do you get, how did, how can we get protocols safe enough for institutions to be like, yeah, I don't mind like putting in a bag, like seven figures, right. eight figures, nine figures in, in a protocol. And I guess that's, that's where, where, um, yeah, you yeah. guys, perfect segue. I, yeah, seriously. So I guess like there's a hard truth about some of this is that like nothing can be entirely decentralized, right? Cause everyone wants some, wants to turn to someone when something goes wrong and nothing will ever always go right. So there needs to be an element of centralization for some things, especially when they're holding nine figures and you need someone to adjust the risk of a certain protocol right and while it's still decentralized and more permissionless than like actually decentralized you need someone there to kind of make the decision like hey we shouldn't be able to borrow 8x leverage against this coin that has a hundred thousand dollars in liquidity yeah i i don't agree with that fully maybe with certain things but i think like the shining example of decentralization and immutability um, there's two. There's Ethereum and Uniswap. Like Ethereum at like a blockchain level and Uniswap at a at an application level. Like the Uniswap contracts are just so well executed where they're just completely permissionless. It's like, hey, like you go in, spot swap between two assets. It's brilliant. Um honestly, like right. they they did a work there's a reason why that's the most forked contract um of all time. And it's still immutable and decentralized. Um, with other things, um, I guess it's a little bit trickier, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible to like aspire to that because especially, you know, definitely a little bit of romantic when it comes to decentralization and sovereignty. So like, I would like for there to be a, like a world where like, you know, contracts are immutable and permissionless and like stand the test of time without human intervention. Cause I think that's what we're all building towards, but like in that process Ultimately, of yeah. getting there you know, there's going to have to be some, some checks. Right. There, there will have to be kind of leaders. Right. And that's, I mean, you know, people who build these things in the first place, it's not like the problem, I guess, with decentralization, it's like, who do you blame? Or like, where does the responsibility who do you blame? lie? Right. Yeah. Like everyone wants someone to blame when something goes wrong. And like, that's the biggest problem about it. And then, but when something does become entirely decentralized and then you have one person spin off and start doing more work, they feel undercompensated because it's decentralized and no one wants to pay them either. So they start leading this, this idea in a way that goes like, okay, I'm going to start doing more work, but I also feel the need to be compensated a little bit more or like to be a little bit more famous than everybody else, to be the thought leader on a certain idea. And then what they do is start hiring other people to do that. And then it turns into this giant pyramid of pyramid of clout. Yeah, pretty much. And then it turns into that. But you have this like hierarchy that ends up like reverting back to this centralized kind of entity that like trickles down all of the information into like what was once the DAO. And then what happens when the DAO yeah. gets mad? They start going up and uprising and flipping the triangle upside down to where, all right, now these guys are at the bottom. We're the DAO. And then it almost like resets. What are DAOs like on Solana? 
Good. I haven't heard much about DAOs on Solana. Um, what are DAOs like on Solana? So, um, it depends. I guess which DAOs are we talking about? There, I mean, we, there, I, there are a lot of multi-sig protocols that make it easy for DAOs to operate. Um, I guess it, I, is there like, because the thing with Ethereum, there's a very, you know, deep and sophisticated <laughs> DAO ecosystem. I mean, I've been to MCON, MetaCurse.com like a few times. Um, and it's all around Moloch and like, so, you know, we have this like goal and aspiration to defeat Moloch and solve coordination problems. And you have a lot of DAOs working towards that. Like they're definitely, you know, definitely far away. And the battle against Moloch is not one, it's not, that, it's not something that ever ends to be honest. But, you know, there is this like culture of solving coordination problems. Is, is there like the same culture that exists on Solana or do, do DAOs, you know, have other missions and goals? I guess so. It depends on the DAO, right? Um, there's definitely like as I guess going off the point earlier, where a lot of the liquidity and interest in Solana came from NFTs. A lot of the NFTs or a lot of the DAOs are NFT based and mm. are more, um, at least from what I've seen, right? Like there are other DAOs out there, like um, like the Mango DAO or even uh, Wills has one. Um, Mango basically. DAO. Yeah, it's like um, any DeFi protocol that will allow you to, you know, make decisions on the fate of the protocol, like Solend. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say they're solving world problems. I've not seen one yet, to be, <laughs> you know, but... Uh, I don't think yeah, the either ones are solving world problems yet either. But yeah, so, so are, are, are yeah, the Gala so, Solana more like a Web2 fan club? Like or a, a web to customer uh, forum, or because you know, you could say the ETH DAOs are like that. Too. <laughs> yeah, but right. I feel like yeah, with so... Yearn and Index. Sorry, I just want to finish the two DAOs that I want to highlight. I heard Yearn and Index uh, Co-op uh, have such great DAO infrastructure in the terms that they have working groups and they actually do operate the protocol and the business and actually just does propagate it forward. Um, is there something like that right. in Solana? Okay, so yeah, Monkey Dow, I guess would say like so the SMBs, right? The team over there, they they work very hard. They're at every single meetup. They're at every single event. Um, a lot of it's self paid for, right? Like they're just happy to travel and network and and do new things. Like um, I think they're spinning off and building a branch called Monkey Ventures, and looking to just invest in new projects across all ecosystems, right? Um, some of their, their leaders over there, like Nam and, um, uh, D is her name. And then, uh, Sai, there's a three, so, so three really cool people. I get to see at all the events that are part of the monkey DAO that were the SMBs. They were one of the first mints on Solana back in August of last year. They minted for like, they minted for two Solana. And I think the floor right now is at like. 190 Solana and while it's not equate equivalent to like the dollar value of a board ape I think in terms of the multiplication thereof is pretty close um but yeah no they're they're doing really cool stuff they have like team lawyers everybody's ha actually happy to contribute from a DAO perspective if you own a monkey um they get together to do like IRL meetups and dinners and go to concerts and whatnot so oh that is cool yeah yeah, I noticed the same thing with D-Gods as well. 
Kind of like the same, same yeah. like camaraderie, right? Um, you know, which is really the soul of a DAO, which I have to right. say, like they definitely have. Yeah, so DDAO is another one too um, that we like. It's it's cool, right? Like they'll turn into like it was a very loud, fast moving project. The art was cool. They did the dead god thing. They have you know you're able to stake them and earn dust like you're gonna earn i think like seven and a half dust a day just for staking it and it's the dust is trading a little over a dollar last i checked so like just yields you seven bucks a day it's like and if you minted the i minted them at the time i minted minted those and smbs and um don't still hold any of the either original mints but hold both of them and um they so the d gods they let me think. Yeah, so you can stake to earn them. They do a lot of other cool stuff with utility, basically. That yeah, they're like uh, one of the few NFT projects I know that are doing DeFi stuff as well, like stake and you earn it. Um, there's also like if you have a dead god, you could go get a tube or you. I mean, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about that before. You yeah, the tube. I, the the one time I've interacted in on Solana was for the the Ute list. Right. <laughs> Yeah, there um, and you got the Ute list. That's really impressive. I got actually. on, yeah, I got on the Ute list. I have a tube. Um, I'm just holding it to be honest. I'm just chilling. I'm like, all right, this is like me. This is this is me building bridges. This is me trying out something new. Like I had, now I have like, all right, like there is obviously something going on there. Um, I mean, hell, Wayne Rooney was on the Ute list. Allen Iverson was on the Ute list. That's right. And I was like getting FOMO. I'm like, damn, I want to be in the same club as Allen Iverson. It's my childhood idol right there. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess Capital K, when you asked me about DAOs, and I, I was just like, oh, I don't know. Like, I guess, yeah, the two of the biggest DAOs are definitely Monkey DAO and DDAO on Solana. Uh, but no, yeah, the, the Utes are fun, even though like it's been delayed a little bit. I think a lot of it has to do with market conditions and that type of stuff. But who knows? Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I mean, I minted it, I held it, but like, mint, I mean, talk about blockchain up time like minting it was such a nightmare i was just like why isn't this thing working like everyone was just trying to mint a ute and then my friend's just like just wait a day i'm like fine <laughs> fine open beta open beta guys right yeah open beta exactly when main <laughs> yeah main that coming soon tm <laughs> um Another thing I wanted to, all right, uh, after DAOs, another thing I want to get into, I saw on your website that you guys worked with Layer Zero, which is one of my favorite projects in crypto right now. Um, can you go into like what you did for Layer Zero? Did you audit like the Solana portion? Did you audit like all of Layer Zero? Like what did you guys do with Layer Zero and what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, so Layer Zero, they're actually an official partner of ours. Um it's something that I think we've announced in a tweet even or, or planning to in the next week. Um, so Alpha, Alpha. Alpha, yeah. Flywheel pod, um, your daily dose of Alpha. We just get it out of <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so pretty much anything that they do. Um, let me see. So like their Aptos bridge, their EVM bridge, we've audited and... Uh, the Solana bridge for that matter, like any, any of the integrations that they need, like basically a partnership means, uh, it's kind of like a, a retainer type model where, and, and ultimately just partnership where whenever they need, they, they have a, an update or they have a smart contract to be audited. They just drop it on our table 
we go through it in a collaborative type effort where we're going back and forth. Robert or our, whoever the lead developer is, will be asking them questions about the code and they'll be collaborating with their CTO going back and forth about the actual, um, you know, infrastructure and, or the, the, the syntax of the language, making sure everything is sound and efficient Wait, for the, both the, the user syntax, and yeah. The, the syntax of the messaging and like the actual code. Yeah, yeah. You see just messages. You just see chunks of code. Hey, I noticed something weird about this. Like, did you mean to do this? Or, uh, and this is with every client, right? It's just like a collaborative approach that we take to all of our security needs. Whereas some people, you just drop code on their desk and you'll hear from them in six weeks and get an audit report that means nothing as opposed to like actually working with the client and, um, you know, making sure they're implementing best security practices over time. Wait, so Robert, your Robert is the name of the founder of OtterSec. Yeah, Robert like, Chen, at NotDGhost is his name on Twitter. At NotDGhost. Okay. What's his background? How did he get like so deep in the syntax and so deep in the bytes? Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, he he's for fun would hunt bug bounties and um report them to like companies like Google and Yahoo and the Department of Defense. And like, with just a true patriot. It's what? <laughs> I said a true patriot right here. Yeah, no, he, he just loved doing it. Like he does it for the love of the game. And now he's found a way to, you know, profit off it. So he, he's doing what he loves for money. And that's like, ultimately, you know, the, whatever the, the goal. And like, that's not what it's about at the end of the day. Cause we're finding bug bounties on the side. And he also plays CTFs and that's where we actually, we actually get a lot of our employees. So like a CTF, for those who don't know, is a, it's like a capture the flag and it's a game or like a model of like where a team of usually four or five people get together and are actually trying to break code to retrieve a flag, like a digital flag and upload it. And the first person to do it wins. So it's like a, a, a hacking competition. That this is from Paradigm, in. right? Paradigm does CTFs, yeah, but um, there are many others. It's it's a pretty, it's like a rather niche community, but. Oh, okay, I see what it is. So instead of like $100 million, it's a flag. It's a flag, and then oftentimes there's a monetary incentive or, you know, you get bragging rights, who knows. But yeah, he was on a really good team. They, have, they separate it by like, I guess, um, collegiate and like student based and then professional people who have left college so oh uh, yeah. i didn't realize ctf was outside of paradigm that just goes to show how much i'm not a dev <laughs> but it makes sense for it to be like a whole niche community of participants right yeah and it's not even like just web3 people i was actually at a conference in alabama huntsville alabama i had to look up if this place even existed before i went turns out it does <laughs> and, yeah, it was like this traditional Web two cybersecurity conference to try and figure out like the state of the market, kind of on that. And really, I mean, after talking to a lot of these companies, they have no clue about blockchain, about Web three, NFTs. Like, God forbid, <laughs> NFTs. Mm -hmm. Bless God you. Forbid. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just crazy to see how, like, when they say we're early, like we truly are. Or, I mean. You'll just see a lot of people getting phased out, I think, from this Web2 space. And like being yeah. able to talk to them about certain things, about exactly what they're talking about, but then exactly what I'm talking about. Like they have no, they're like, 
wait, go back to the first word you said. Did you say blockchain? Is and I'm like, yeah. Blockchain? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. So- I was going to say this weekend, I was at uh, a buddy's engagement party. Um, and I was talking to somebody that, you know, went to Yale, did, and now it lives in SF doing late stage venture capital. Um, and I was like, oh, uh, you know, I am like in a, kind of like that, but just for Web3 and DeFi and crypto, he's just like, that stuff is so foreign to me. Like, and it was like similar to you, like, you know, you have to like disclose, like if you had like any trading and this and that, but like, it's so, it's so like out there for like a lot of people still, which is hard for like us to believe because like we're in it every day. So it's just our normal lives. Mm-hmm. But for most people, especially if like you work in tech and it's kind of like, oh, like that's the other side. You don't go there. Like that's, that side is dangerous. <laughs> but in a know, way, right? In a yeah. way. I mean, like they're not wrong. I, I mean, you're at an auditing firm, you know, but right. um, high yeah. risk, high reward. Yeah. And, and you see like the, the government actually, the reason we went there was to kind of target government entities. And I mean, what they pay per contract is nothing close what. I mean, it costs for an audit right now. Like it's almost like a third of what they're willing to pay. And so like, I think like once they start this idea of their own private blockchains and like the CBDC, I mean, they're going to have to start paying a lot more than they do now for these contracts. Um, because I think right now they're like a, a high end contract would be like three fifty an hour or something or yeah, whatever so, it was. Wow. Yeah, very wait, different. Let's roll but... back to CBDCs. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Have you been seeing like, well, we're, we're a stablecoin podcast, so like we're into this shit. Um, what Have you heard like any talks about CBDCs um, or like what have you, is it just research online? Have you heard things through the grapevine? So CBDCs, let me see. Um, there, I've actually right, spoken with a few people at Circle actually. Um, and not on like this is all like basic kind of level conversation i guess uh but i mm-hmm. i brought up to them when i started talking to them was this letter back in november of last year that um someone from the sec sent to jeremy allaire the president or ceo of circle mm-hmm. currently mm-hmm. Uh, basically asking him how easy would it be for the entire your entire business model to rotate into this a cbdc or us dollar like a digital currency they called it and i brought that up to him and he's like wow i can't believe you remember that like yeah that was a big deal and so um i think since then they've kind of decided they really don't even need to integrate with the government like they can stay doing usdc legally and they do it much quicker than the government does. Like the government moves very slow when it comes to this stuff. And that's why they're still paying like lower end on the contracts and same with the web two people. They just don't move fast enough. And that's a lot of the reason I, I've left that, you know, the other companies, like they just don't move fast enough. So the startup kind of vibe is, you know, the the web three life is much different than web two. Yeah. It's a lot faster and it can adapt a lot quicker. Um, yeah, that, I feel the same way about CBDCs too. I just feel like they're too slow to evolve. And naturally, I would see Circle becoming kind of like a quasi, like if there were to be a USDC, I mean a CBDC, they would like nationalize Circle because the infrastructure is yep. already in place. Um, but I don't like, I feel like there's just too much gridlock in DC for any of that to happen. Unless like China like truly like comes out in full force with their CBDCs 
and like then like a lot imagine if like more economic activity flows to the 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 yen no yuan chinese yuan, yuan. fuck yuan. sorry yeah yuan. so good yuan. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm still got a sinus infection. Yuan. If more activity flows to the Yuan because it's just like cheaper and faster to transact and because it's directly a CBDCs, then the U.S. government will wake up. But until then, I don't see that happening. No, 100%. Yeah, it's a speed thing. It's for whoever's first to market and it's like, oh, you're not ready? We are. So we're going to put out products. Yeah. And that's I actually what they're wanted to, to, to circle back real quick to... Um, the Solana ecosystem at large currently, what are some like percolating narratives that you're kind of seeing in the Solana ecosystem? Yeah, all I've seen are NFTs, but are there more? Yeah, so I guess my mention of the Fire Dancer, the, that extra layer of validators, is a promising kind of it, promising infrastructure for the Solana blockchain as a whole. Just the increased liability or reliability and speed increase liability <laughs> increase liability or decrease it for that matter yeah yeah Freudian um, slip um but yeah, yeah we, you know, on, on ETH, we have it's like reliability you know on ETH, there's right. like the zk narrative the the optimism you know a modular blockchain narrative and a real yield narrative like are, are there real yield what, yeah what are some similar narratives that's kind of percolating in the solana ecosystem okay validators nfts yeah validators nfts mev mev um mm. high frequency trading which is the what jump crypto started this the the more validators layer for um outside of that you know nothing crazy kind of just whatever you want it's a good vibe like solana breakpoint lisbon should be fun solana yeah, miami um, was a lot of fun I was going to ask, what about the Solana mobile stack? They really made a big splash oh, with that. How could I forget? Right. Yes. How okay. could you forget? Yes. How yeah. could I forget? Like, what's no, David's teeing it up for you. Yeah. I wow. literally like, you know, like this. It's like pitch it like little soft toss. Thank Boom. you, my friend. <laughs> I really appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, of course. So Solana mobile stack and all of the people building on that. Obviously, it's going to be, be the first like blockchain phone. Um, but yeah, I forgot about that because it was NFT NYC that they actually announced it. And it's been a bit since like, you know, you've heard about it, but as that code becomes available, we'll actually be responsible for auditing that as well. So Solana mobile stack, um, and backpack is another uh, integration with them that will make it easy for like NFTs and interacting with the Solana blockchain from your phone and other DeFi protocols for that matter. So yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. I will never. Uh, it's going to be hard to just drop everything and make a blockchain phone, my primary phone, but I definitely am going to use it and test it out. And, you know, I like Solana, so we'll give it a shot for sure. We'll give it a shot. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, I remember like 15 years ago when I was a kid, the ESPN phone came out. It was like the first sports phone, like dedicated to sports. Um, Interesting. And yeah. And like, I think you've seen this tried before, but what ended up happening was the iPhone went out and then how it became was just, everybody just had iPhone apps and Android apps and stuff. Right. But no one has really gone for the hardware in a while. And it's not like the iPhone or Android has made drastic improvements. Um, if the Solana mobile phone is really that much better than the iPhone, it could be a dark horse. But then again, I am like the idealist of, you know, compared to most people <laughs> right 
Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, because obviously, I mean, both sides of the you have Android cultists and you have iPhone cultists, but you also have blockchain cultists who mm, may or may not be true. interested in in forming a cult around the new Solana mobile phone. So, yeah, uh, there's there's potential there. I think honestly, like, right? We'll yeah. see. Yeah, I mean, like most new users to crypto, uh, especially in the de developing world use mobile phones they don't have laptops they, they just they have phones so like if you know pop good target market there um you know just cheaper option easier option it all comes down to just ease of use and um you know knowing you know w what your users want out of your ui if you know the mobile phone has a good ui and it's sticky kind of like ios i am an ios cultist Honestly, I no, had an iPhone. Honestly, <laughs> I had an iPhone. I went to Android, and then I went back to yeah. iPhone. Oh. Yeah, I actually started on Android. I had my first Android phone was the G1, and uh, it, it was like popped out in the slide. It was the Google phone, Android. It was awesome. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Right, and then I got an iPhone 4S, and they they force you to be a cultist honestly like yeah. with by like taking all your notes and putting them in the cloud and all your music every song since i was yeah 12 years old you know is saved on my it's Apple all music there library. it's all there yeah so yeah it's hard to not be but i guess we'll see it, it'll be cool to have like a second phone i think for those types of transactions where your keys are actually stored in the phone um and like yeah inherently built to be secure so you know we'll make sure of that yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to bring it back to, since we are not just a stablecoin podcast, but a Frax podcast. Um, have you? Do you have any thoughts about Frax and stablecoins in general? Have you looked at Frax? Um, what are your? What do you like initially think? Or like from um, your past? If you could enlighten me a little bit on like kind of Frax, like the current state of the market on Frax, and you know about it in general. Yeah. So awesome. you know, Frax is. You know, started off as this uh, partially collateralized algorithmic stablecoin, but we talked about narratives earlier. Like one of the narratives that not only are they pushing but executing on, it's called the DeFi Trinity, which you actually hinted, hinted at earlier. So, it's what if a protocol can own like the full financial stack? So, what if it could have its own native lending market, its own native exchange, and its own native stablecoin? And you see a lot of protocols build toward this model. You have Ave with Go, their stablecoin. You have Curve with Curve USD, their stablecoin. Um, you even had like Faye and Rari to an extent when they merged, they tried to do this. Right. But Frax in particular um, actually executed and pulled it off. They basically built primitives to fit their monetary policy needs and objectives because they're doing these very large, for example, their exchange is not just like your normal AMM. It's a TWAM, so it's a time-weighted automated market maker, which means it takes it makes orders over a long period of time. So instead of doing like a million dollar order in a day, you do it in over like maybe a few hours, few days, few weeks, whatever you want. And so like Frax is right now doing a buyback of their FXS token and they've been using the TWAM to do that. So that's cool. And then they have the lending market. And so they have like different things called AMOs, called automated market operations. And that's basically a fancy word to say Frax will do open actions on chain to maintain peg. So in lending AMOs, they'll like mint 5 million Frax, 
put it into Ave, and then people can over collateralize. So then people can take out loans against Frax, and it's not a liability ability of the protocol; it's a liability of the person taking out the loan. Um, and so, like Frax, basically, with the lending market with Frax Lend, um, and that came about because it gave them a lot more granular optionality. Because with like Rari, kept on just get it got exploited, and you're at the mercy of pools, and like you, you know, in like you have to deal with their fees. Like Frax Lend has no fees. Um, for the protocol, they basically just made this so people can like have like a place to lend out the, you know, take out loans in fracks, um, for the best rates and whatnot. It's isolated lending pool. So it's a lot safe. You don't have like the mango situation, um, right. and everything. And like the thing is with all these different primitives, they're built, they're built, they're not forks. They're built from the ground up. Um, and like they're brand new and they've gone through an extensive auditing process, whether it was like internally with whether it's like a few different firms um and whatnot um and then the last thing that we you know we got, we're very excited about here is uh frax eth um which is uh their lsc their liquid staking derivative of, of ethereum so like what is an lsc but a stable coin but an eth stable coin and so who does stable coins the best it's frax and so they just dropped this um they're about to like get their curve gate. You know, I'm not sure if you saw this kit, but in the forum, like Sam was like, this will be like the first like at Frax gauge that direct rewards to like a non Frax pale. Um, and so, in, it, yeah, this is Sam McCulloch that you're talking about earlier. Wait, no, 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 Sam, Sam uh, Bankman Fried. No, 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 no. <laughs> wrong. Sam K. Sam Kazemian. <laughs> There's a lot of oh, Sams in crypto. There should be a Sam dab. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, interesting. Yeah, it's a really uh, interesting product actually, and it's all EVM based stuff. It seems it's right? all EVM. It's all ETH. Um, they're actually just coming out. They're gonna their next product that they're gonna ship is a bridge. Well, it's not even a bridge. A it's like a a messaging a ferry. It's a ferry. It's Frax ferry. So you know, Frax. You know, the Nomad hack happened, and like you know, Frax. There's some Frax in there, and they're like, okay, like. We need to really dumb down the bridge. We need to make the bridge as dumb as humanly possible. And so they're building Frax Ferry, which from what I understand, all Frax will be redeemable on Ethereum. Um, it won't be like before Kanako Frax was redeemable on the chain that it was on. Um, so it was like native to the chain, which was right. cool. So but they made Ethereum then the settlement layer for all of it. They're going to make Ethereum the settlement layer. And in the way future, not in the way future, maybe in like two, three years, we were talking about ZK earlier. There's going to be a, a Frax roll-up, a ZK Frax roll-up where like all Frax will be like settled and redeemable on the roll-up in like a hybrid execution manner. So like, you know, execution, like basically executions will happen in the roll-up and I mean, well, yeah, executions will happen in the roll-up and then like every once in a while it will like send it to the main chain. I see. Yeah. Okay, so how did it... Is there like a TVL then on Frax itself that like, are they, are they transparent with the actual like yes. backing the yeah. stablecoin? Yes. So Kit does uh, every week. We actually every are about Tuesday. to do tomorrow our Frax check. Every Tuesday we have Frax, Frax check. check. Nice. We have Frax check, your weekly Frax vibe check. And we check the numbers of the, of the Frax protocol, see how the circulation is doing, see how their AMOs are doing. Um, and yeah, like I believe their CVL is, I mean, there's 1.3 billion Frax in circulation. Um, I'm not sure what's the TVL. It's several hundred million. It's like, yeah, I know they're like, like 700 million on... in the AMOs and then a couple hundred more millions just kind of scattered across the board. 
in different uh, okay. non-frax control yeah. uh, liquidity pools. Yeah, it, yeah, it's nice. Well, Even in like a bear market, they're still yeah. profitable. Like yeah, yeah, all that's the whole activities point. they do. This is like the only yeah. protocol in DeFi that I've seen that has its hand in so many other uh, DeFi Lego blocks and still managed to generate a sizable revenue for itself during this bear market. And uh, we'll send you the frax yeah. check. It link seems tomorrow. like it. I mean, it seems like a, like a novel. Yeah, yeah. Please do. That'll be awesome. Yeah, it seems like yeah. a novel, rather novel product, but also extremely useful, like as a DeFi product as a whole. I I yeah. heard I've heard caught wind of this, obviously, but never really yeah. dove into it. But I see the docs I, here, and I'm the definitely docs are definitely meaty. They're very yeah. meaty. Um, oh, I recommend God, listening dude. to prior podcasts. Um. But yeah, it's like so hard to like know what's worth paying attention to in crypto and DeFi because so much stuff is like happening and popping up, um, especially like if you're in Solana land and Aptos land, you're not going to hear about Frax as much. And so same thing, like I'm in Frax land, but like it would be, I mean, I've, I've talked about this with Sam K about like one, maybe one day like getting Frax on Solana. And honestly, I think that would be possible with layer zero. I believe Frax would be integrated with layer zero. So if like if that's the case and once Frax Ferry is out and then boom, like Frax on Solana, you can go like have a ball with all, with uh, whatever tsunami is happening. I guess, you know, tsunami is apt us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or just at, like, you know, the speed of it, whatever it may the be, speed of, low, low yeah. transaction costs, whatever it is. I mean, yeah, yeah. There, there's no reason to, I think, I mean, maybe, you know, in this instance, right, Frax is more ideal for something like Ethereum, you know, especially where it's already built mm -hmm. out. It's like, why well, go try and rebuild it on another chain, try and make sure it's secure on another chain. You're you're exposing investors at that rate. Like if this is secure and this is already figured out on this blockchain and it works and they're profitable in a bear market, it's like stay here. Why move? What like why? Just to I mean get more users or just, you know, like this is something that I genuinely would move chains for, but not like entirely, right? Like I would allocate some money towards because yeah. it's a novel idea and I it seems to work. You, you guys, you know, you're passionate about it. Um, We're I'm the curious Frax about the podcast. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So wait, who is the team then behind Frax? Are you guys uh, part of it or yeah, do you know them? No. So we, we got funded by the Frax DAO. Um, we've gotten okay. two grants to produce Frax content and, you know, basically be, because there's a running joke in the Frax community and DeFi community that Frax has no marketing team. And we're like, we're basically like the only t close type of, marketing and awareness they invested in the team is sure. literally just eight devs that's it it's just eight devs well you know like the suit yeah that's all you need <laughs> they're just literally let the smart contracts do all the work um eight devs they all you know i kind of call them the seal team six of DeFi. um they all have like their responsibilities and unit they help each other when needed um and it's just worked so far mm -hmm. like they developed a system that works they have very high standards for themselves they are thinking long-term. They understand where they truly skate where the, the puck is heading, not where the puck is. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. like with this LSD thing coming out, I, you know, it's funny, like last year it was like convex, I, you know, they're the first ones to form convex and like have a VE system. And now everybody like jumped on the VE train and now, um, and that was last year. And now they're like the first ones to have like their own ETH stable coin, like LSD. Mm -hmm. And soon everybody will have them. Like soon everybody will be chasing Frax Eth, Lido, and Rocket Pool and whatnot. And then Frax Soul also possible. Frax Soul, Frax Soul, also yeah. possible. But you know, 
Let me know if we we uh if you need to make the connection in any way. We know we know the people up there, and in that same regard, you know, we've we've, yeah, for sure. we've done solidity work. That's just a competitive space for it. So even mm -hmm. if we would just is is the most of the code open source at this point? Yeah, or, yeah, all of the code is open source. So just right, hop so on yeah. the GitHub, maybe like have like you know. Robert. Yeah, have Robert go blow it up. Yeah. We'll see what, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and the great thing about the team is, you know, there's only eight of them. And, you know, they're, they're, they always be shipping, right? And because of that, they always need have the flywheel pod like us to come in and kind of be that external voice for them and kind of sing their praises. Yeah, they need to help showcase. They need a hype the man, basically. Exactly. Need, we are the hype they need, men. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. No, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, because um, like they're building all this cool shit, and like you know, they needed someone to amplify their voice, and that's why we're here. That's super cool. I mean, yeah, yeah. you've got a new uh, new client, at least, and one <laughs> one new set of eyes today looking at Frax for sure. So you're doing yes. a good job. <laughs> and also, make sure you yeah. subscribe uh, to the Flywheel Pod on YouTube. Yeah, and I'll get, like and follow, link in bio. Yes, I get it. Link I get it. Yeah, <laughs> follow. So I, already, I already follow. But yeah, I tease. I tease. Um, but anyways, yeah. yeah. You guys, so like, I guess like the format of it when you go to post it is going to be, you put these on YouTube? Yeah, we put these on YouTube, Spotify, like wherever podcasts are found. Uh, we'll usually do clips. Actually, we do, we do clips every week. So like we'll take some of the best clips from this podcast and just share about it on Twitter. Um, that's really helped in our growth. Um, we only started this four months ago and we're at over a thousand subscribers. So hell Let's yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, Baby we started steps. this in the deep air too. So June, the, the people who are here are real. We, we got started the real this after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever's still it. listening, especially to the end, like you're a real one, and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> That's Facts. awesome. No, yeah, dude. I'm. I sounds like yeah. I'm buying Frax or I'm buying Flywheel Pod at the bottom here. Yeah. So I'm bullish on you guys. You guys are. You guys have been awesome so far. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you having me on as well. I get, by the way. While I'm here, might as well rip the brand. This is a one of nine Otter Sec hoodie. Oh, with the trick. Here we go. Oh, oh. oh. <laughs> okay. He's got a little otter on the sleeve, too. Um, yeah. yeah, we only gave them to like people that we've uh, worked with in the past. And we're, we're actually going to have some more in uh, Lisbon for some of the clients that we've missed. But uh, yeah, it's something we looked at. Yeah. I got to get one. back, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we can, uh, we can talk. I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you. We'll figure it out. Um, um, speaking for sure yeah uh speaking of which i guess we're getting to that time where it's the end and it's the time for the uh rapid fire questions go ahead all right all right i'll start um christian when did you first touch the chain and sexes don't count first on chain uh, when I was, my first on h on you want to know exactly what i did um i bought Exa bitcoin exactly. and sent it to the philippines for a fake id uh, oh, you bought Bitcoin for a fake ID. Okay. Yes. Okay. Cool. What is your favorite uh, off-chain activity? What is your touch grass activity of choice? Lifting weights, going to the gym, cold plunging, steam room, all in one, I guess. Hitting the gym. Feels good. Nice. Respect. Um, what's some advice you would give to yourself that's five years younger than you now? listen just listen don't uh don't talk so much just listen okay some and good advice if 
you weren't in Web3 or crypto, what would you be doing as a career? Work. Oh, God, man. <laughs> I'd be fucking miserable. <laughs> whatever, whatever I'd be doing, I'd be miserable. Yeah, whatever it is I'd be doing, I would be miserable. <laughs> I'd be miserable. <laughs> oh, nice. I, misery as a career. Yeah. Nice. First one on the pod. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, what yeah. are some of the other answers you get for that? We usually get energy. Like people would like be working in energy or something. Yeah. Um, or, well, Sam K. He said he'll go into neurosciences, and I was like, "Do you give the most <laughs> detailed answer ever? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, he would have. Yeah. He could have easily like done that. Right. I actually, yeah, yeah. I'm right where I belong. Honestly, like I told, like I told you in the beginning, like I made that transition. Was I took mm -hmm. my LSAT, ready to go to law school. Made the transition into TradFi, which I ultimately like, but there was just too much red tape. And then that's what brought me here to DeFi and cybersecurity in general, getting to work with everybody in the space. So yeah. that's it, man. Hell yeah. 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 yeah I really appreciate, yeah, I appreciate you guys. You you guys have been awesome. Yeah, I know. This, uh, this, this has been a fun episode. Like, we don't usually go, like I said, like this is the Building Bridges episode where like we, we've ventured out to beyond the EVM to the Solana and Aftos lands. We made the move, pun intended. And, you know, it's been, it's been fun. It's been quite insightful and, um, you know, and uh, useful for the multi-chain world and getting more yeah. aware of the multi-chain world that we're, like, heading towards. Yeah, we got to break out of our, you know, ETH bubble sometimes and say yeah. hi to uh, like I don't know, like, like, super autistic, like, curved flywheel bubble where it's like, this yeah. instead of that, instead of blah, blah, blah. Like, there's more out there. <laughs> well, right. And I guess, so I guess one last point, too, though, our... I mean, it's easy for EVM for you to be, or like Ethereum to like latch onto it, want to hold it forever, right? But then um, like when I first started buying Solana, it was awesome, right? All the liquidity was there, but I told myself, I in my group chat of the normies that I onboarded, it was like, hey guys, when new and better technology comes out, we have to be ready to dump all of this stuff and rotate into the next best chain. And while I don't think we've seen the next best chain happen yet i've started allocating accordingly in case that next best chain is here is if, if that makes sense so it does you know maximum last words can yeah, be Maxwell toxic ultimately yeah. but ethereum's great i have nothing bad to say about it be a romantic not a maximalist yes sir <laughs> yeah awesome we'll guys see you next time awesome, all right man. cheers Thank you so much peace Thank you for everyone for watching this week's edition of Flywheel Pod with Cuffy of Ottersec, the auditor episode about Solana land, even Aptos land and everything in between. Um, honestly, when I was like thinking about it, like being an auditor, that's some, that's a tough job. That's a really rough job. Like, honestly, if I'd like be an auditor, I'd just like not sleep because I'd just be terrified at all the contracts I looked at. Dude, agreed. It would be like, you know, you're the underwriter of the most dangerous game of Jenga and the most unstable game ever. Yeah. Hey, like, you know, Solana's in open beta, but at the end of the day, we're all in beta. <laughs> yeah. Facts. <laughs> that's, facts. That, that's my, honestly, that's my favorite excuse, open beta. I mean, like, he's not wrong, um, but, but if it, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. You know, uh, it's yeah. one of those Lindy effect things. I, I hope the listeners stayed all the way until the end to learn about, you know, Tsunami and the oh, fun yeah. things that's going down on Aptos. Aptos. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is getting released in like a week and a half from now. So like, you know, am I about to get 
sell my soul and get an Aftos wallet ready. <laughs> I already got one, bro. I got sweating. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, at the end of the day, though, like we give Solana its shit, but you know, he's onboarding his friends and new users to Solana because it's just faster and easier. And that's just like something I feel the Ethereum community can take note of. And as these ZKs roll ups come online and other roll ups come online, um, it'll be interesting to see how the whole crypto ecosystem evolves. Excited, excited. Exciting stuff. Yep. And to keep up with all the exciting stuff on Flywheel Pod, please subscribe and hit that bell button. Over a thousand subscribers on the road to 10K. You know, four months to 1K. Can we get to 10K in another four months? We'll see. 10X, baby. 10X. 10X, 10X, 10X. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Flywheel Pod. We're almost at 2K followers. Nice. Uh, join our Telegram group at Flywheel Pod. Follow me on Twitter at DeFiDay22. Follow me at 0x capital underscore K. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.